with marriage and stuff. Like I was the one that was more scared like of that commitment. And I think for having kids, Josh was like a little bit more scared of that commitment. Mm. So basically I had like a chemical pregnancy. I do not like how it is the norm that people wait to announce they're pregnant when they're 12 weeks. Yeah. Are you still a mom if you have a miscarriage? It's called trauma bonding. Then I started nursing them both. I don't have like plans of stopping. Do you feel like you get a lot of hate? Welcome to Well Made, where we dive deep into all things wellness, self-improvement, and self-love. I'm your host, Kat Kamalani, a mother of two beautiful kids and a proud wife to a firefighter husband. Together, we'll explore raw and candid moments that touch on every aspect of life, from parenting to relationships, career, and personal growth. Our conversations will be filled with insight, experiences, and tips to help you live your best life. So sit back, relax, and join us on this journey towards a happier, healthier, and more fulfilling life. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another podcast episode of Well Made. Today, we have a special guest on. She is the most kindest, sweetest soul ever, and she's a dear friend of mine. I know you guys have seen all her really cute motherhood and family videos on social media, but we have Lauren, aka Lars Rivaldi, on here. <laughs> I am so excited you're here. And okay, I'm honored coming. that you asked me. Yes. And <laughs> I, it's so funny because we met through social media because of your whole entire miscarriage journey, which oh, is really? insane because your video popped up about having a miscarriage and like you opening up about that. And I feel like miscarriage is not talked about a lot. Yeah. And when I saw that video, I instantly, it drew me in. And then I watched probably like 500 videos of yours. Oh. And then I reached out to you because I'm like, we have like the exact same story. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. It's so insane. So we'll oh, circle. I didn't realize that that was how we like yeah. that you found it. Yeah. In my account. Yeah. Wow. You're my first friend on the island <laughs> coming here last year. So I like have such a special place for your family and you in my heart. Oh, and you're so sweet. So thanks for coming on. But I want to circle around back in just a second with the miscarriage. Mm -hmm. um, on today's episode, we're going to be talking a lot about motherhood and breastfeeding and also the struggles of infertility and miscarriages with you. Mm -hmm. So when you and Josh, and Josh is her husband, for those you guys don't know, yes. when you and Josh were deciding to become parents, what was kind of the struggles you went through? Because Josh, you told me at first, like, he didn't know if he wanted to become a parent. So how was that mm -hmm. with your guys' relationship deciding to become parents? Yeah. Well, actually, so Josh always wanted to become a dad, oh, okay. but he didn't know, like, he wanted to wait five years to have kids. Mm. And so we, we, we talked a lot in the beginning that we wanted to have a big family, yeah. but he definitely wanted to, like, wait a long time. He wanted to travel and just like have a lot of time us two together. So I feel like that was like a big difference uh, between us was, um, well, I think in the beginning, actually, I was like down to wait five years. Yeah. But then I think I, I kind of didn't think it through all the way because I grew up with like my parents going through infertility. Mm. And so I kind of didn't really think that part through like, oh, maybe it would take us a while. And so, and so I think, um, I think for those type of decisions, like you're never going to be a hundred percent ready for anything. And I think for me, like with marriage and stuff, like I was the one that was more scared, 
like of that commitment. And I think for having kids, Josh was like a little bit more scared of that commitment, Mm. but it was something he always knew that he wanted. And so I think, yeah, I think we were, we had to get on the same page on that for sure. But tell me the timeline of you guys, how long you guys dated, got married, and then how long you waited till you guys had crew and crew is Lars oldest little boy. Yeah. So Josh and I, we were actually really good friends for a while before we dated. Mm. So I was good friends with his sister oh my out gosh. here, Natalia. And she was like, oh my gosh, like, cause she went to school out. We were, we were going to school in Hawaii together. And she was like, I feel like my brother would love you. Like I need to set you guys up. And, um, and he was on a mission at that time. Okay. And so then when he got back from his mission, she kind of set us up and, for him, he was like really excited about it right away. And I was, I was like 19 at the time. So I was still kind of like not really wanting to be so serious. Mm. And I think he was right away. And so we were good friends for probably like six months. We were really close friends though, until I was kind of ready to start, I don't know, being a little bit more serious about him. I start, I like, I think my feelings for him developed over time where he was kind of right away. And so we were friends and then I think, and then we started dating and then we got married like three years after our first date. Oh my gosh. That, I don't know about (laughs) you, but I, me and Kaylani dated three and a half years too. And Uh we, I don't think I've ever said this to anyone. We actually we're going to get engaged six months in. He bought a ring. He bought two rings and I found it. No way. Yeah. And I found them in my parents' house. And you didn't know, like you had no idea. I ha- Well, we talked about marriage. Like we were going to get married. Oh, I okay. didn't know he had the ring, but he hid it in a box of chocolates. And that's my biggest weakness is chocolate. So I shut the door one day to go get the box of chocolates and eat it. And he was in there and I'm like, why would you hide it there? <laughs> we were going to get engaged. My parents knew he asked permission. And then I decided to call it off before we got engaged. And I just told him like, I wanted to finish school first. And then we dated three more years after that. But I don't know about you. I always say that you should be dating someone or know somebody at least four seasons before you get married. And then personally, this is just a personal decision to do four seasons before you have a baby Mm -hmm. because there's just so much in getting to know each other and learn about each other. And you're learning about yourself and creating this whole new world and at the beginning, it's total love bomb. It's it, you're meeting somebody's like, yeah. um, what's the word? Their repens. What is it? What am I trying to say? Somebody who represents them. You're not meeting the true person. You're meeting mm-hmm. the person who represents them. Yeah. But it's it's so cool to see you guys have this time where you dated and you mm-hmm. decided to wait and work through that, and then you guys decided to go down your journey. So how look? T- walk us through of like, okay, we're married. We've dated. We're we've known each other. And now we want to step into getting pregnant. How is that yeah. whole thing? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love everything you said about that because I think I, I feel the exact same way. Like mm. I'm actually really grateful, like not that grateful I went through like the infertility and miscarriage, but I feel like we grew so much in that time like together that. as like a couple and just going through like those hard struggles and everything. Like, I think it was, I'm glad that like we've grown in that way together and had that time together just us two yeah um so I totally agree with that and so basically I don't know like (laughs) it's like a lot to think about um 
like the whole journey. But yes, I think it all started with me wanting to go off birth control because I was on birth control Which for one? a year. IUD or, or the pills? I was on the pill. So I was on the pill and I didn't like it for like a lot of reasons. And, um, I think in the very beginning of our marriage, we were like, did the pill and protection. Like we were like, we do not want to get pregnant, you know? And then I think after going off that, maybe we were a little bit more like if it happened, like, I don't know, we still didn't want to get pregnant, but it wasn't like as big of a deal maybe as it was in the beginning where we're like, there's no, you know, Mm -hmm. we definitely don't want to have kids right now. And so I think we maybe stopped being as careful. And then I actually got pregnant like, I think it was like maybe a year after not being on the pill. Okay. And it was definitely like not really like expected at all. And it was actually like so many, like I, I kind of even, I, I haven't talked about this that much because mm. I, it was just kind of like a weird, a lot of weird feelings at that time because yeah. it was like, I don't know if we would say we were like very excited, but then I, got excited, but it all happened so fast. So basically I had like a chemical pregnancy. Mm. So it was like, I took a pregnancy test and I wasn't even like sure if it was positive because it had like a very faint line. Which all girls at the beginning, they're like, am I pregnant? Am I not? It's so early on. And like back now, knowing everything I know about like, you know, like, like trying to get pregnant and stuff and pregnancy tests. Now looking back, I'm like, oh, that was for sure positive. But at that time I was just like kind of confused because I was like, it's not like a super dark line. I didn't even know if I could say it was like a positive test. And then it was like a week later I started bleeding. Mm. And so it was just kind of like a lot of weird feelings. And I didn't even really feel like it was like, I don't know. I didn't talk to anybody about it at all. I was just like hardly, I think. Well, I why to my is mom. that you didn't talk to anyone about I it? I think it was because I like had so many mixed feelings about it, and because like I was excited but nervous, like we weren't planning on it, and then it also just I think I was like kind of unsure if it was even. It didn't like quite feel real, I mm-hmm. guess, if like that yeah. makes sense. And it was such a short time period. So you didn't tell anyone you were pregnant and then you didn't tell anyone when you started bleeding? Uh, no, no, no. So my mom and my, well, I told Josh, of course. And yeah. then I told my mom too. Okay. Um, but I didn't like really talk about it with friends, I guess gotcha. is what I'm saying. And so, yeah, so I went through that, but I think that kind of like opened up the door to like thinking about it more because then I was kind of thinking back to like, Oh, I remember like it took my parents five years to have Oh my, my brother after me. And so like my earliest memories were like praying that my mom could get pregnant and like praying. Uh, so that's, that's how I thought babies were made was like praying to oh have a baby my because my parents went through all of these struggles to get pregnant. And so then I started thinking like, what if it takes us that long to get pregnant or what if that's, if we're going to go through struggles. And so I think I, I started we started talking about it more and I was definitely ready before Josh, but like then he got on board maybe like six months later and then we started trying and then we were trying for about a year and then I got pregnant again and that ended up being a molar pregnancy. I don't know if you know what that is. No, I don't. Explain to our our followers what it is. Yeah. So molar pregnancy is basically it's where a tumor grows in your uterus and in the very beginning, it's like a completely normal pregnancy. Like you have all the, you have like a lot of pregnancy hormone though. You have like more than that, more than normal. So your ACG was looking great. Like it was looking awesome. Yeah. So they thought I was having multiples in the Mm. beginning, um, because I had such a high HCG and then it was, it's kind of a crazy 
story, how this all happened, because it like nobody knew what it was. Like none of the doctors knew it was a molar pregnancy wow. until after I actually had my surgery, my DNC surgery. Mm. And so it was it was a really hard thing because I just knew there was something wrong, but nobody could figure out what it was until after when they did like the testing and they figured out that mm. it was a molar pregnancy. It's not a very common thing to happen. It like, ha- And so I don't want to scare anyone that this could happen, but it's like... But it's important to talk yeah. about and educate for sure. Yeah. It's like one of those, like, I don't even know the stats, but like one in like 20,000 or something like that. Wow. But, um, but yeah, so you have, you have a tumor in your uterus and then after you have to, you can like you have, I had a one in five chance of having cancer after. Oh um, and then if you do get cancer, then you go through chemotherapy and stuff like that. But I didn't get cancer. And so I was really grateful for that. But there's like a lot of like, you have to be really careful after you have a molar pregnancy to not get pregnant. And so we had to go through a time of not trying to get pregnant Mm. because if I did and I got cancer, it would be really bad for like the baby and everything. Uh And so, yeah, so that was really, really hard to go through that. So you got pregnant. Did you tell anyone besides your mom and Josh with the molar pregnancy where at the time you didn't know? Yeah. So I told, so I got pregnant and then it was looking like a normal pregnancy. Yeah. And then at around 10 weeks was when we were like, okay, like this isn't good. And that's when we decided to have the surgery because basically they were telling me like, this just looks bad. Like doesn't look good. And, um, so yeah, I had told, I had like opened up to some friends at that point, but not on social media yet. No. So I didn't open up on social media until after we had found out that it was a molar pregnancy. I think Mm -hmm. it was maybe, I actually opened up pretty soon after it was probably like a week or two after. Wow. What was your reasoning behind that? I just felt like I could not be authentic on Mm -hmm. social media. Like I, like I wasn't a creator at that point. We were doing like weddings, but we were also like creating a lot of content and I would, you know, do posts sharing my thoughts and stuff like that. And I just felt like, so right after I got the surgery, we went to Italy to do a wedding and then we were in Italy and I was really struggling and I just felt like I was posting these pictures and I just felt like I wasn't being real Mm. because I was struggling so bad and I just felt like I needed to like share how I truly was Yeah, because I just felt like so inauthentic being like putting on this smile and stuff Yeah, when I was like really hurt. And that was amazing because I realized like so many people are going through this. And I think back then, because it was 2018 when this all happened, I feel like it's gotten better on social media that people are talking about it more. Yeah, But I feel like back then it was kind of like not I don't feel like a lot of people were talking about miscarriage. Not at all. It's very taboo. I I do not like how it is the norm that people wait to announce they're pregnant when they're 12 weeks. Yeah. Because it's almost to me saying like you're not a mom or you're not fully pregnant until you're 12 weeks. And then when you announce it, that's when you're fully pregnant and that's when you can tell, which I don't like. When I see people tell other people or announce that they're pregnant before 12 weeks. I love that because Mm -hmm. no matter what, and this is where I had the hard time for those who don't know is I also had a miscarriage, which is a different type of miscarriage where Mm -hmm. your, your baby has passed away and then your body continues to grow like a normal pregnancy. So I went in at 14 weeks and there was no heartbeat. And so so it was so hard. And we announced on on social media at 12 weeks, we were pregnant and it was with our first and it was 2018 also. 
And so when we then, I felt like, oh, this shame about, oh my gosh, I just announced to everyone I'm pregnant. And then now I don't have a baby anymore. I'm not really a mom. I'm not really mm-hmm. pregnant. And I had all these like intrusive thoughts going through my head, which now that's totally not true. Any of that stuff. Yeah. And I went to the internet to go search things like miscarriage or miss miscarriage. And I was typing in things because I was in such a dark spot of, um, are you still a mom if you have a miscarriage? Are you considered a mom if you have a miscarriage? Oh if gosh. you have a miscarriage, should you celebrate Mother's Day? And it was like all these things surrounding it. And I just realized like it does not matter how long you carried your baby. You had a baby inside of you and you have a baby and that baby is yours and you are a mom. Yeah. Like period. Does not matter if you have a physical child here on this earth or not. And a lot of women don't talk about it afterwards because it's almost, I just feel like it has a shame around it of what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. What did I do wrong? How could I prevent this? And ultimately you can't prevent anything. And ultimately there's nothing you can do. It just happens that there's so many different reasons why I've a baby passes or doesn't hold the baby yeah. near to them. Did you have yeah. any of those feelings or experiences? Um, Yes, for sure. Like I feel like I don't know if it was like this for you, but like during that time, I feel like every, all of my friends were pregnant. All of my friends oh. were having babies and you kind of just feel, you feel so alone. So and, alone. And you feel like you can't, I, I felt a lot of shame with those same things and uh, like those same exact things as you. And at the, and also that I felt shame in even like talking about it around other people because you didn't want to make them uncomfortable. Yeah. I didn't want to bring them down or for them to feel sorry for me. I just kind of feel like a burden like on, I don't know. I just wanted, I, yeah. I truly was happy for people who were pregnant, but it was just a really lonely place to be. Yeah. And just, I don't know. It's, it's really sad. And I just never want like anyone going through that. I just want to be there for them. So for me, what helped me when I had a miscarriage, people reached out and they would say, what can I do for you? Or is there anything that you need? And I, a lot of people are like this. They don't want to take anything from anyone. They don't Mm -hmm. want to be a burden to anyone. And I would just say no. And I kind of like went into a turtle, but I had a few friends and neighbors just drop off food or just dropped off flowers and like people that just like brought things. And I think that's the most important thing is if you have somebody in your life that are, is going through a miscarriage or who has just lost a baby, they're not going to reach out to you and say like, Hey, can you just bring by dinner and just let me cry and just like hang out with me or whatever. It's just like, you just got to make that step and go through it. Yeah. And also too, I feel like what you say to people when they have a miscarriage is a really big deal. Oh yeah. Cause Mm -hmm. I want to hear some of the things that you, if you did get any on social media or with friends that people had the kindest intention behind it, but it was like nails on a chalkboard. Like, please don't say that. Yeah. I think, um, well, first of all, one thing I do want to say is like, I feel like saying anything is better than nothing because sometimes I feel like with, I find myself in this position, like when somebody I know has like lost a loved one or is going through something really hard, like a divorce or anything like I don't want to say the wrong thing. And sometimes you feel scared and you don't say anything. And I think that's that's how people feel with like going through miscarriage. Like if people can't relate, then they don't want to say the wrong thing. And so I would say like, it just felt nice. Anything people would say just to know that they cared. Yeah. But I mean, there were some things, you know, like I think like when people would say like, well, like 
at least you can get pregnant or like the at least like yes. kind of like the at least. you shouldn't feel sad because there is a bright side yeah. maybe. Yeah. I think I kind of felt bad because I'm like, oh, maybe I, I'm like, oh, like you kind of feel shame that you're struggling yep. with those kind of comments. Yep. I, what, 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 I'm curious what were some that were hard for you? Well, the text message thing, I really agree with that. I, Kiloni had a really good friend who passed, parents passed away and he's like, I'm not going to bother him. I don't, he's, his phone's getting blown up. And I think the best thing to do in like any situation like that is to text and be like, I love you. I'm here for you. If you need me, don't feel the pressure to text me back, but just know uh-huh. I'm thinking of you. And I feel like that goes such a long way. Oh yeah. Just knowing that people care yeah. and that you're, you have a support system, even if like, I don't know. For me, it, it was like, that's all I needed. Like, yep. cause I kind of, I'm more of an introvert. So I'm like, I don't need like people like coming over as much as just totally. to know that people care. Yeah. Meant the world. Yeah. There's a lot of things people said to me as like, Oh, I know blah, 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 who had a miscarriage and told me about a story that uh-huh. they knew. And I think for them, it's called trauma bonding. When someone goes through trauma, they will bring up their trauma or somebody they know who's had the same trauma. Uh-huh. And that's their way to bond and try to connect with you, uh-huh. which in reverse is like the exact opposite of what someone needs in that moment. Yeah. So bringing up stories of somebody else to me didn't make me feel better. And yeah. then also saying, oh yeah, I hear this is super common. Um, uh-huh. Just... It almost downplays like, oh, yeah, the pain yeah. I've been through. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, yeah, it is common, but like it doesn't take away that I just lost my baby and went through a really traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. I feel like the best was just for those who are saying, I can't imagine what you're going through and I'm so sorry. Yeah. And that's it. You don't uh-huh. need to say anything more with that. No. So you went through the miscarriage and then how long was it that you guys waited until you got pregnant with crew? Exactly a year. Yeah, and I actually found out on Mother's Day that I was pregnant with Oh, you are kidding me. That is the sweetest thing ever. I know. I would have bawled my eyes out. Yeah, I get emotionally when thinking about it. It Oh, that is so sweet. So when you did get pregnant with crew, did you have um, any PTSD or anything that got brought up when you did get pregnant? Like, oh my gosh, am I going to lose this baby again? Yeah, like uh, honestly, like I don't. I didn't struggle with that as much. I, I mean, I think I did a little bit, but I think I was just so worried we would never get pregnant that mm. I was just so excited to be pregnant yeah. that I I really tried to focus on being present in that moment. I was really nervous that something would happen, but I was also just like so relieved that we were going to get pregnant. Oh, and that we were able to get pregnant. Another side note is that the reason why I took a pregnancy test, it was the day I was supposed to start my period, which was Mother's Day. And the next day we were actually going to start infertility treatments. Mm. And so, wow. Yeah. That, that was is a crazy, crazy yeah. coincidence, not coincidence, but timing. That yeah. is insane. Yeah. So you have your, you got pregnant, you have crew, which is amazing. And then how long after crew did you get pregnant with Indy? Okay. So yeah, that was kind of crazy. So I think after going through all of that, cause it was like a two and a half year, you know, ordeal. Yeah. That whole struggling to get pregnant, miscarriage, like having crew. And around in your family. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I think after that, we were like, why did we worry so much in the beginning of our marriage that, you know, like yeah. we we're going to get pregnant. Like it's a miracle to get pregnant. Yeah. And so we just like, weren't like very, we were, we were careful like the first six months because I wanted to like make sure like you were all healed. I and was you're all good healed and stuff. And then after that, we weren't very careful and it kind of just happened like right away. Like it was insane. when crew was 
nine months. I think it was the same for you, right? Mine's seven yeah. months. Our stories are just so in line. Yeah. It's so insane. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, yeah, I think I, it, it was, it was crazy to like have that ex- experience where yeah. it was like a surprise. Yeah. You have crew and Indy. What are their ages right now? So crew is three and Indy is 19 months. Oh my gosh. So close yeah. together. And you breastfeed both of them. Yes. Okay. Tell yeah. us about your breastfeeding journey with that. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, I got pregnant breastfeeding mm-hmm. and so I wasn't sure what the whole journey would look like. I kind of was just like, I'll just you know, take it as it comes. Like, sure. We'll no see plans. what happens. Yeah. Like I didn't have any plans at all. And, um, and also like, I'm like, I feel like I, I wasn't like the type of mom that was like, before I had kids, that's like, I'm going to breastfeed my toddlers. Like yeah. I, I kind of didn't think about it at all. Mm-hmm. Like I probably actually would have probably thought I wouldn't because I just didn't like have any, like I didn't educate myself on any of that type of stuff, you sure. know? But yeah, like as I, when I was pregnant, I just kept on nursing and it was fine. Like I had a really, my, my, my pregnancies are pretty good as far as like, I don't get very sick and things like sure. that. So it was, it was a great experience nursing while I was pregnant. And then I just wasn't sure if like how it would look, you know, after giving birth to Indy. And so I have prodromal labor. I don't know if you know what no. that is. Tell our audience. But um, I get really bad contractions for like three weeks before giving birth. That sounds awful. Yeah. So oh it's kind of crazy. It's like a blessing and a curse because my delivery, I think it makes my deliveries really fast. Mm. And like, I don't have to like have really any medication or anything. Like it just all happens. Like, I think my body has been preparing for so long sure. that it just like, go my deliveries are go really smooth but yeah so like on the weeks leading up to it it's kind of intense and when I was breastfeeding it made my contractions so much worse those are the worst that nobody talks about yeah yeah and so when I so yeah so like right so I actually weaned crew my last month of my pregnancy oh because it kind of cold turkey even because my contractions were so bad yeah and so then I kind of thought, you know, this is the end. Like, this is the end of our journey. And then when I gave birth to Endy, crew, like, just, like, looked so sad when I was nursing. And, he and like, he would try to nurse. And I was kind of like, oh, no, I'm just going to nurse Endy. And I just felt so bad. Like, I was kind of like, why why not, you know, nurse yeah. crew too? Yeah. And so then I started nursing them both. And, yeah, and it's just – we haven't – like, I think breastfeeding has been a smooth journey. I know, like, for some moms, and it's totally valid that it's, like, it's bad on their mental health or they, like, want to stop for a variety of reasons. But for me, it's been, like, a really special experience, and I've – it has so many benefits that I – yeah, I don't have, like, plans of stopping, although I feel like if I get pregnant soon, I would probably stop, but – I love how open you are on your social media with it because that's opening yourself up to a lot of hate because America is so far behind when it comes to a human body, I feel like, yeah. where here outside of the United States, it is totally normal for A, for women to breastfeed their babies in public, not Uh covered up, and then B 
to breastfeed their toddlers. Yeah. And when people hear that you're breastfeeding your toddler, they're instantly disgusted and grossed out. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, wait, no. What's disgusting and grossed out is you drinking cow's milk. I know. That's milk from a cow. Yes. This is milk from a human. This is this is normal. That's not yeah. normal. No shade to those milk drinkers yeah. that are from cows, but I think we have it messed up that there's this magic one year mark and you uh-huh. should be done. Yeah. And it doesn't matter where you are on your journey, where if you feel like, you know, a month into your journey that it's bad on your mental health, that you have to go back to work, mm-hmm. that it's not working for the baby. Um, babies can be tongue tied. There's so many things that would stop or stop continue a journey. And I don't think we should throw judgment against anyone who stops their journey or continues their journey when they're just trying their best for their baby. Mm -hmm. Because that's all we're doing. We're all just trying our best for our kids and like trying to do what's right for them. And so, and it's crazy too, because if people were to look up and what is the website that people can look up breastfeeding. Do you know what it is? Like recommendations, like the American Academy of Pediatrics, things like that. Yes. Where they can look it up. The mom's breast milk is so high in nutrients and calories and just goodness for the babies, especially when they're sick and they yeah. get those antibodies and things like that. I, I don't know about you, but when I was nursing, anytime I would get sick, the nurses or doctors, whatever, like keep nursing your baby. They're uh-huh. going to get those antibodies and like those things to help them. Yeah. So do you feel like you get a lot of hate on social media? And if so, like, how do you deal with that? Um, yes. I think for the most part though, like actually I feel like I get so like the amount of like positive outweighs the negative by far. Amazing. Like with, with the whole breastfeeding, because I get so many DMs that like a lot of them make, make me pretty emotional that are like, you have like helped me so much not feel shame in this. And you have helped me. I love that. Um, like my family thinks I'm so weird and you have helped me feel like so normal and actually proud of like breastfeeding my toddlers. And so for that reason, it's like been really worth it because I feel like I've, it's helped a lot of moms not feel so alone and not so judged, but yes, there are a lot of negative comments and just silly comments, honestly. But I think it's like always the same type of people, you know, it's like the trolls on YouTube or whatever. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like it's, Usually it's not mothers. Usually, and I feel like usually it's like the older generation too. Mm. And like a lot of times just, yeah, like it's, you can just tell it's an account that has like no followers <laughs> and like just some random like user. Keyboard warriors. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I always say that if you wouldn't switch lives with somebody, you shouldn't be taking their advice. So mm-hmm. if someone comes to you and they're giving you advice on your breastfeeding journey on your motherhood, on your parenting, on your finances, on your relationship. If you look at their life and you look at that topic, would you switch with them? And if not, you should not be taking advice from them. I love that. And so I'm, I'm glad you share that and you open it because it just has such a stigma around it where it should be praised because breastfeeding is hard. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of work, a lot of commitment and a lot of time away from you, like from you as a person, Mm -hmm. which is so difficult and hard. You absolutely kill it at motherhood. I love your page and I just love what you're doing on your platforms of just really trying to open up conversation for that and bring awareness to it. And then also with your parenting and just your family. And so I feel like I could talk for 500 hours (laughs) with you, but before we go, I want you to tell our followers and the listeners right now where they can find you on all social platforms. 
Yeah, so it's Okie Dokie, O-C-K-E-Y, D-O-C-K-E-Y on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, yeah, thanks for following along. And yes, go <laughs> yeah. check her out. I'm going to link all her stuff below so you can go look at it. If this episode at all has inspired you or you've loved anything from it, please tag us and we share it on your platforms. We love it. We would love to personally thank you for listening to the episode and watching it and sharing it. And we hope you guys have a great day. If you were inspired by today's episode, I encourage you to tag me on social media at Kat Kamalani so I can personally thank you myself. I would love to hear your thoughts on my podcast. So go ahead and leave a review. So high five for finishing the episode and trying to better yourself. I hope you found it informative, inspiring, and thought-provoking. I will see you again soon for another episode. Take care. Take care.